the beam, because it's time for Nerdy for 30, the podcast where we talk about nerdy-ish movies for 30-ish minutes. My name, I'm so glad you asked, is Kevin Bauer, <laughs> a.k.a. The Critic's Choice. Mm-hmm. With me, as always, is the people's champ, Tim Keck. And today, we are talking about the newest MCU movie, The Marvels. The Marvels. Turns out there are three characters in the MCU that share similar light-based powers, and after a weird accident, they all become intertwined with each other, switching places, so they team up and go to figure out what's what's wrong. It revolves around the bangle that Miss Marvel found in uh, in her TV show on the Disney Plus, so if you didn't know what that was about, probably should have watched every single thing that the MCU's put out. Uh, and then they, then, you know, they come together and use some teamwork and ultimately end up saving the day. I don't know. Am I missing anything, Kev? Uh, I think you're just missing one big thing, Tim, which is that this is a good movie and nobody's talking about it. (laughs) It is a good movie. I like it. I like this movie a lot. Thinking about it. I see. I thought of a comparison, which I'm sure will lose you on this is Thor Love and Thunder, where watching it the first time i was like okay there's some things i don't like about this but thor love Mm -hmm. and thunder to me each individual scene i like a lot i don't know if i like the way that they're arranged or maybe i think some other scenes could have been added in between but as far as rewatching it it's a great rewatch because like you know what's gonna happen and you're just hanging out with these cool characters and having a good time at best I think I think this I don't think this is necessarily the best story, but there are great moments in this that are going to be fun to rewatch that I have been thinking about. And you can't say that about every MCU movie. And so I think this puts it I think it's above the air meridian for sure. I think it's probably top half of Marvel. Uh, But we don't you know, maybe at some point we should do a we should do a full rankings and list and just really, really hash this out because. You know, I, I feel good about this. I'm wondering where it would rank. But what about you, Kevin? What did you think about this? You know, we should do a full Marvel rank down. Yeah, I, I definitely think this is an upper half Marvel movie. I really enjoyed this. There was a lot of discussion prior to this movie's release about how the director was gone for like the last four months of reshoots. Yeah. And just how unprecedented that is. And I feel like you could tell when she was on set and when she wasn't because this movie. She had contractual obligations. That's what I heard. Yeah, she she Marvel knew about this. She had another movie that she was required to start working on. It seems like people were giving her shit for this, you know, like for sure. I want to make it clear that I'm not. Sounds like a girl director just bailing halfway through. (laughs) It's like, what what the fuck are you talking about? She's she's doing such a good job that she's got multiple projects lined up and you can't spend every waking moment working on this movie. I mean, you're right. Plagued by reshoots and things like that. But, you know, there's just so many bad vibes out about her that. I don't know. Yeah. But you said you could tell the difference. So what is it to you? I think so, because this movie is a mix of things that are generic pieces of the MCU Mm. and things that can only have been foundational parts of the script. There is so much heart in this movie. There are so many very genuine, very fun moments of these characters interacting and I don't think any of those could possibly have been reshoots. I think all the reshoots were the diciest, weakest parts of this movie. 
I I see where you're coming from with Love and Thunder because Love and Thunder has some scenes that I really like and some scenes that are just painful to watch. <laughs> this felt very similar to me. I don't. I feel see. I feel differently. I'm just so bought in to those characters that I'm uh-huh. down to just. I I love Thor. I would just hang out with Thor. You know the whole time. I love it. I mean, he's my he's my favorite guy. Uh, as a kid growing up, he was one of my favorite superheroes. I think he was my dad's favorite hero when he was a kid. And I just nice. feel so nostalgic and attached to this guy. And I like Taika Waititi. I get that, you know, maybe he's not the right choice for this, but in a vacuum. Yeah, I really like his stuff. And so just I mean, rewatchability. I think Love and Thunder gets too much hate, but it's up there. But you're right. There are there are weak parts in this. I think there are some, you know, I'm going to say this and then forget some of them while I was watching it. But I think there are some pretty obvious and relatively simple ways to make this a better movie. Oh, uh, interesting. And so I think it's I, I kind of left thinking like it's good. There's enough there that this could have been just this movie could have just been better. And it could have been a, I think it could have been a great movie. Uh, yeah. And it doesn't definitely. get there. But there's moments that are I mean, gosh, my my thief is probably that scene with the cats eating people. Oh, so funny. Incredible. Jesus. So funny. Incredible to turn a character that I personally hate because of the Nick Fury of it all. And yeah. making them such an integral part of the movie and also one of the funniest scenes in Marvel. Just as like, it's not even a character bit, like as a concept and like a CGI execute, like none of the characters are even in it. It's just like such an absurd situation that it's it's brilliant. It's like an incredible joke. It's an incredible bit. And I, I, I was all about it. I was jealous of that. I don't know. Dude. It's a joke that overcomes the weakness and abruptness of how it was set up. Really strange where suddenly there's just these weird little like lumps around the spaceship. And the second time we saw the lumps, it's like, oh, okay, it's going to be kittens. (laughs) I had no idea. Obviously, this is where the kittens were going to go. And I'm with you. I resent Goose. I think that the joke of cute, cuddly thing is actually a horrifying creature is so played out. I think it's so cliche at this point. The fact that most of the time when it happens in a Disney movie now, the sense of humor that goes along with it is like thing that looks like a normal cat eats someone with giant tentacles. And then the sarcastic, quippy character in the room goes, well, that happened. I just absolutely hate it. But I think the entire reason that these things work for me in this movie is Kamala. It's the fact that the first time we see Goose eat somebody, she screams her fucking head off. <laughs> and she is such a good actor that she really sells the terror in that moment. And I mean, her her charm in general. I, I'm curious if one of your notes that you would have given this movie is the same that mine is, which is just it should have been entirely from Kamala's perspective. Hmm. I didn't think of perspective. Here's see. At the beginning of the movie, I was is Miss Marvel is one of the. I feel like one of the weaker characters in the MCU, not physically, but the movie is OK. And then she just Captain shows Marvel, up and is no, the first Marvel or Captain Marvel. Yeah, yeah. Like Captain Marvel's OK. I feel like, you know, Brie Larson's kind of got in a bad shake of it just because her character, you know, doesn't have the like the arc of overcoming you know, the way that all these other characters did. It just seems like she just kind of shows up and is invincible. And then I don't know. I I get it. 
I loved, loved the way they set up her in the spaceship by herself with just the cat and she's got her suit on, but she pulls it off like a like a wetsuit or something. So sick. Like a jumpsuit. And she's walking around and, you know, the white I Wife beater. That can't be the right thing to say anymore. <laughs> yeah, there's got to be. A, there's got to be another term I tried for it. To Google this the other day. There's got to be a better term for it, man. It's 2023. Yeah, there's got to be something better to say. But that's what she's wearing. She's wearing a wife beater. She's got it down. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what else you call. When it. I think of Captain Marvel. I think wife beater. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It just like sounds terrible. Wife beater. It's like when did Jonathan Major show up? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, the gang gets sued we're, for slander. <laughs> we're talking about the tank top that Brie Larson is wearing. Uh, she looks great, but that is like the vibe of she's mm-hmm. living in her uniform and she's alone. Yeah. And the scene where she floats down with the planet and the cat is just jumps on her shoulder and she's flying through space with the cat. I was like. This is a movie. This is incredible. I would love to have this. And Marvel does this thing that maybe they do really well where, you know, between movies, they give you just a glimpse of something that happened off screen that would have been a really cool movie. You know, like, oh, look, (laughs) Captain America, Steve Rogers now. And he had all these adventures and we're not seeing them. But that would have been a pretty cool Disney Plus show or that would have been a pretty sweet movie. We all would have enjoyed. I feel like missing out on Brie Larson just exploring space with the cat. I feel like could have been a whole vibe and awesome. And my so my biggest uh, beef or thief is that I think Miss Marvel is a wonderful addition to that. I don't think we need Monica Rambo. I don't think she adds anything mm. to the movie. I think she feels forced. That character was very underdeveloped. She was a minor character in WandaVision. We haven't gotten any mm. real impact with her as a superhero. I mean, maybe it's been so long. I just feel no attachment to that character. And I don't know if she brings. She doesn't really bring anything out. She's like in between Brie and Iman. Is that how you say her name? Yeah. Uh, she's tonally. I think you could, I think you could straight up take her out and it's a better movie because then it's just Brie Larson with this cat set in her ways, trying to open up. And this girl shows up who has a family, loves her family, is a part of like a bigger community than herself and is also positive about things. She's outgoing. She hasn't done all these horrible things that Miss Marvel's that Captain Marvel's done. I think the contrast between them is is so good that I the more the the Rambo thing just gets in the way for me. It really does. And I think if she's not in it and they follow that first thread, it's a it's a great movie, potentially. Uh, Damn. Yeah, yeah I think. I see what you're saying. I think structurally you could take her out. It would probably require bringing Nick Fury into the fold a little closer so that there is somebody else that can kind of be this intermediary between Kamala and Carol. But that's a really risky thing to do because of how badly they fucked up the character of Nick Fury. Nick Fury is dead to me in these movies. 
He is a complete non-factor at this point. It is heartbreaking how bad Secret Invasion was and how lame some of the stuff he's doing in this movie is. I mean, I, I have a hard preference for like cold spy master Nick Fury pulling the strings behind everything. And it just really it just really takes a lot out of it when Nick Fury is like, you know, being encouraging with people and meeting their parents. <laughs> I like the version of Nick Fury that's like mean to Peter Parker. Like, yeah. Yeah, that's the cool um, one where he shows up and is a dick to Iron Man. Like that's that's cool. Yeah, that's it's it's what just I want. Maybe that's just not. Yeah, yeah, he's like he's softened up so much that it it's just a it's a different guy at this point. He's not. It's a different but character completely. I do like I like Monica a lot. I've always I've liked Monica in the comics too. Was a huge fan of Next Wave. Um, mm-hmm. I think that there are a lot of scenes with her. I just like Tenoya Paris too. There's like a scene where, um, like Kamala's doing something. She's super excited, and uh, and Monica's just like, "All right, calm down, baby." And it's like, yeah, so wonderful. Like that. she phrases it perfectly. Delivery <laughs> is incredible. Um, she's good. I mean, she's so a good I like actor. it from that perspective. Yeah, it's- I I do think you're right. It's. There does need to be some kind of an intermediary. I think really does what there? I'm wishing is I wish. I think so. Yeah, because or, there's got to be like Carol is like not in a state in the beginning of this movie to talk to people at all, let alone like mentor a kid. But isn't that kind of don't we have a million movies that are like, you know, like the older gruffer guy and then they pick up a companion and slowly warm up. I mean, that's that's every rom-com. Like, I don't understand why we need a an intermediary necessarily the mission is the inter- intermediary right where they have to work together they're attached because of this flippy thing and so then she has to be with her she's got the band like they are tied together by fate in this and i feel like that's enough to just explore and flush out the character for it i mean another thing nick fury messed up in this whole movie was was the power scaling in this which sure. marvel is i think honestly normally great at i think mm-hmm is the power scaling in this, or at least I don't know. Does it in a convincing enough way? I don't know. I mean, there are things like Thanos punches, you know, Captain America in the face and he gets up. But yeah, I don't know. It, it doesn't feel as terrible in the moment, but they're doing this thing where they're switching back and forth to fight two generic goons and they're each in a location with two generic goons. And then Captain Marvel switches in and all of a sudden she's having trouble with these two goons and then they switch out and now it's Monica Rambo and she's having trouble with these two goons and then they switch to Miss Marvel and she's having trouble with these two goons. Rambo exists in this in-between space where she's not as strong as Captain Marvel, stronger than Miss Marvel. And I'm just not sure how strong she is. It doesn't, it doesn't make sense. Like why can't she fight these people? She can't fly. And then Fury's just like, well, it's time to learn to fly. Like, how do you even know she's capable yeah, of flying? So weird. It's 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 what. And so so reshoot. I'm telling you, that had to be a reshoot. I think that was one of the reshot scenes. It was so awkward. The fact that Samuel Jackson fought hand to hand with one of these monsters that was giving Brie Larson trouble or Carol Danvers trouble doesn't make any sense. I mean, this guy is just like Nothing. trying to stab him and, st- and just with his pure strength. You know, Nick Fury is able to hold them off and then do a cool mm-hmm. gun thing. And I just I don't buy it. I don't believe it. That's also not usually his game. So. You know, it's it's sloppy in that regard. It's definitely sloppy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. 
Carol took a headbutt from Thanos and then was having trouble with these guys. It's tough. Yeah, I think they probably did it for the sake of being able to do the switch fighting. And you could argue that maybe it's just how disorienting switching physical locations would be. It is a little bit of a bummer, especially because of how cool the like location switching was. I thought going into this movie, it was going to be a total mess. Seeing that in the first trailer, that they were going to not only be juggling three characters, two of which audiences have only seen on Disney Plus before, and one of which people have very bad feelings about and was like underexposed coming into Endgame. I'm like, we're going to have these people be on screen, have extremely similar names and have them physically switching locations and expect the audience to follow that. And they did so well with it. It was super fucking cool. I loved it every single time they did it. I think a lot of it benefited from the fact that they took the time to do like a training montage slash sleepover, which was so much fun. Yes. And it was was so cool to see that pay off in the end where like Kamala's doing the Doctor Strange thing and throwing out steps that like Carol's jumping onto and like making like a slide. And it seemed like they each kind of had a dedicated thing. Like I noticed Kamala was always just going for the legs, like trying to get the villain off or balance. It was really cool. I really bought them as a team. I did too, which is I'm still team Monica Rambo could have been edited out of this movie, but they, I think they have great chemistry together when it's the three of them just hanging out on the spaceship. It's great. They're, they're good. I mean, they're great actors. They're just kind of vibing and figuring stuff out. I mean, those are the best scenes in the movie are the three of them on the spaceship together interacting. And Mm -hmm. from there they keep leaving. They also just appear places was I crazy with the, you know, because they've got the like sword facility that Nick Fury's on and it felt yeah. like Kamala, you know, had a warm reunion with her family like five times in this movie. <laughs> and, <laughs> that is a very good point. And they yeah. leave and then they'd show up on the sword thing and then they would just be there. It felt like they would just be there. They were off doing something yeah. else. And then they're like, well, we need the Marvels. And then the Marvels walk in. They like walk into the screen. It's not even like they fly in or they appear in. They just walk into the room. I, there were moments where I just thought it was too great. And then we have to have a reunion with her family and everyone's crying. And it's kind of sweet. But <laughs> I don't know. It just it felt it felt a little abrupt to me. I don't know. Uh, Tim, I got a I got a question for you. When did you know? That Nick Fury brought Kamala's family to space as an apology for fucking up their house. Is that what it was? <laughs> There's no other reason they would have gone to space. Why were they in space? I guess because her, her their daughter is there and they want to be able to track her or I don't I didn't think it was absolutely insane, but it is weird that. And they're not. Why don't they get eaten by the cat? Why is not Nick Fury? having a cat eat them. They're just like a part oh, of, the, a point. of the thing. And Nick Fury is just a goofball and like trying to figure stuff, but they are citizens. So why are just normal Joe Schmoes in charge of herding up pun intended, I guess with the crew, like the, like the trained crew guys who are 200 plus years old are being swallowed sure. in favor of Miss Marvel's mom like that's that's who we need on the crack squad. I get it as a movie. You have to have her there, but it's it's weird. Would you would you yeah. think? I mean, I I don't think there's any movie logic that checks out for why they had to be up there. But 
I'm, I'm glad they were because they are my secret thief for this movie. They're really? so good. Her whole, her infrastructure. I'm so glad they didn't have her weird, like clingy, like men's rights activist friend from the show. Yeah. I'm so glad he wasn't yeah. in this movie, but Just wow, am I glad that her family was there because they are so fun to watch and they've got incredible chemistry. <laughs> the same age joke. Incredible. That is so good. <laughs> the brother, the brother's yeah, comedic dude. timing is is vicious. It's so good. Oh. The remote bit at the end, he just every joke he had <laughs> yeah. crushed. It was it was incredible. Oh shit. It was They're incredible. So fun. I feel like the mom didn't get enough. I feel like the dad was just kind of there. And then the mom, mm-hmm. it's also the problem with all these reunions, is her all of her dialogue was, oh my God, it's so great to see you. And it happened like a five times or whatever, where she had to, she was like, oh my God, Kamala, and like hugs her. And it's like, cool, if that's all she's saying, then she doesn't get a chance to do other fun stuff or get other bits. It just felt like she was kind of underutilized. And I'm not excited about this reunion because I've seen it four times already. Uh yeah. It was weird, but I agree. I I agree they're great, and I would love to watch another. I would love to watch another Disney Plus Miss Marvel show. I like that they did the animation up top. I wish they could have stuck yeah. with that in some way. Uh, or just maybe, you know what, save up the budget and do it for the entire series of a Disney Plus show. How about that? How about not bail on your gimmick instantly because of whatever reasons? Like keep the character's perspective throughout. Speaking of yeah, dude. character perspective, Kevin, this is a beef of mine. Mm-hmm. And this seems dumb. But the opening Marvel credits to these movies are pretty iconic. They scroll through all these characters and then you end up on the Marvel logo. And sometimes these change, right? Sometimes I think for, um, oh gosh, Moon Knight, it went to like black and silver. And then for other movies, it's kind of moved around a little bit in different songs play. This one had images of the Marvels in it, right? Mm hmm. It had Captain Marvel, Monica Rambo, Miss Marvel in it. You know who else? The only other people as far. I mean, I, I tried to watch this YouTube show of like all the intros. You know who else has gotten an intro like that where their images are in the Marvel poster? Stanley Chadwick Boseman. That's it. They got a, a treatment in the intro that is reserved for deceased major contributors to the Marvel world. And for some reason, they decided to show those characters there instead of the usual flip through. You know, it should have been the regular. They should have gotten the Is regular intro. Nobody else has gotten that. Like they've never done that with like Captain America or no. something. No, they don't. Really? They don't. It's an huh. in memoriam. They've done the same That's one really that ends with Black Panther doing the punch, you know, every single time. And this one, huh. they did. They just they gave him this treatment that I thought was reserved for in memoriams. And well, for some Tim, reason, I, they're doing it with the Marvels, which I feel like I don't is, think we're getting any more Marvels movies. So <laughs> that may have been a little spoiler. Yeah, it is. This franchise is already dead. Uh, I don't know. I was I was kind of I was initially I was pissed off immediately when I saw it. Is that crazy? Is that an overreaction to that? I mean, yeah, of course. But it is. also, like, I see what you're saying. Like, it it breaks. It's it's honestly kind of like a like a 
like a branding frustration, which yeah. is the kind of thing you normally normally hear from like a company's creative services team is that this was like out of alignment with the rest of the company's branding. Um, and it is cool. I can see the argument for it. We're like seeing all these other characters in the intro really makes you feel like this is part of that bigger connected universe. So I wonder if we'll see that more now going forward. I don't know. But I mean, I, I remember like Wakanda forever. And now it seems like on Disney Plus. They've replaced the regular Marvel intro for that with the one they did before Wakanda forever. So if you watch mm. that one, it's the in memoriam for Chadwick Boswick, uh, uh, wow. which I mean, you know, he died and there were just a lot of movies in between. And then they switched to having the Black Panther punch like be like the final move in all the Marvel movies. So it's like, you know, this great guy dies. seems like he was a really good dude. He was a big part of the MCU. It was a very important character. And so then like every movie and thing after that, you get just that little reminder at the end, like, hey, we lost this great guy. You know, he was a legend. Yeah. And I I teared up at the beginning of Wakanda forever. Once the intro came in and it was just Chadwick Boseman. That got me. That got me more than anything else in Wakanda. Honestly, that that hit me good. Uh, mm-hmm. And so to to just to see them do that for Captain Marvel, it's like. I don't know. It rubs me the wrong way. It makes me feel insincere. It makes me feel like a punk. You know, like, why was I getting emotional about this thing that they just give to everybody? You know, like, I, I don't know. I feel like I got punked for that a little bit. But you know what? Fuck uh, me for caring. You know, Nah, man. Thank you for sharing that. <laughs> oh, man. Do you have a oh, yeah. The WandaVision one went, went black and white at the end. This is just yeah. my God. Uh, what uh yeah what else do you have any other thieves have we done thieves we've done i mean i think i've i think i've said most of my thieves so far you know the chemistry the family all the parts that seem like the director actually did it and again i want to clarify that i'm not like attacking her i'm attacking the marvel machine for like not (laughs) working better so that she couldn't finish the movie in a reasonable amount of time um Beef that I really want to cover is I think that this villain is one of the worst Marvel villains. I like the thing that I like about her is that she seems like she had a direct connection to Carol and Carol's actions. I love the entire plot of the Annihilator thing. I think it's really cool to take this character and they're not afraid to make her like morally ambiguous. She probably killed a lot of people. Like mm-hmm. Carol's probably responsible for more deaths than COVID. And uh, <laughs> I think those COVID numbers are inflated. <laughs> wow. Great. Now we're going to get the Spotify flag on this episode. <laughs> wow. Um, just don't we'll take probably it. just pick up a lot of JRE listeners. My advice, uh, never go to the doctor. You're following that advice right now. I know. I hurt my foot. I couldn't walk. And you know what? I I didn't go to the doctor. You know why? Because I'd have to walk to the fucking doctor. That's why. Oh, my God. They don't do house calls for, you know, or maybe they do. I don't know. I would love it if some guy just showed up with like a little little bag and popped it open and, you know, took my temperature or filled my heart. I don't know. Do they do traveling doctors like that anymore? They did it during COVID for testing. It was fucking weird. Now we're definitely going to get the flag on there. Yeah, we had we had, did a COVID test one time in like 2020 and somebody showed up to our door and we like stood in the front door and they just stuck a Q-tip up our nose. Um, That's wild. Yeah. And that was just was, a neighbor. 
It was just a neighbor <laughs> and it wasn't even a COVID test. He just stuck a Q-tip up our nose. Gosh. Um, didn't even take it out. So for Carol, I like that they made her a little bit more morally ambiguous. Uh, I don't like that. I could not tell you this villain's name. I absolutely oh, no. could not. I think she played it the way people play Power Rangers villains. Um, I think the performance was on par with Ant-Man's daughter, which is like one of the worst MCU performances. I don't think it's as bad as that. I thought that was so corny and over the top. And this one's more forgettable than I thought. Embarrassing. You know, the Ant-Man's daughter was like giving embarrassing monologues in it. Like it was Spy Kids 2. And she was not a Spy Kids villain. She was a she was a Power Rangers villain, which, you know, Power Rangers of higher quality than people remember, I think. Uh, Ryan Cranston (laughs) was a Power Rangers villain. Don't forget that. He was Zordon, dude. He was not Zordon. Well, he was Zordon in the movie, but he was a villain in the TV series. Was he really? Yeah. Wow. And he was on Seinfeld. That guy's had a career. We should have him on. Mm. We should. Let's get Cranston on the pod. Hashtag Cranston He's on the pod. He's been for forever. <laughs> <laughs> Tagging in it on whatever, on threads. Let's get a threads going. And see hey, dude. If we can get, <laughs> get him on the pod. Uh, I... With that annihilator thing you were talking about, there's that scene where where they are Brie Larson is confessing that mm-hmm. she's the annihilator. And that I hated that scene. I don't know. I thought it was so bad. I thought the acting was just so off in it. It was weird because these three have great chemistry on the ship. And then mm-hmm. Brie Larson's like trying to cry, but like it doesn't work. And I don't know. It felt so fake to me in a way that I yeah, think that is off. Yeah. It feels like that's kind of the beef with Captain Marvel and whatever Brie Larson a little bit is that she's she comes across like kind of stiff and wooden in some of these. But I think it's a tough situation. I think she's put in a tougher situation there than Captain America is and Iron Man is and, you know. We're not expecting those guys to cry. <laughs> no, they just get no, tough really and yell at people, you know? Yeah. But it makes sense that she would feel that way. And it makes sense that she would be emotional. And unfortunately, that doesn't jive with everything else they've got going on tonally in the movie, I feel like. Or something. Yeah. I feel like it's directing. It's something. Something is getting fucked up in those scenes, which. Yeah, because there's parts like the hey, Peter Parker got something for me and in game. Great Captain Marvel moment. And there's a lot of stuff. I mean, I, I thought she was really good in this. I definitely thought like her. She was a lot more fun to watch in this than the first movie. But that's mostly just because the first movie is like a bad setup for us to be introduced to this person. Like she wasn't Carol really in the first movie. She couldn't remember who Carol was. And in this one, I loved kind of how they played with like her being in isolation for so long, she had kind of like a bug eyed Doc Brown thing going on <laughs> where people would be talking to her and she's kind of be looking at them like she hasn't talked to a human in a couple months. I love the isolation story. I think the isolation story, the annihilator thing, like is the story. And I think if that had been the, the driving focus of this, it kind of it like the bad guys trying to steal resources, right? I kind I kind of like that. They're stealing resources from places mm-hmm. that have significance to Captain Marvel. Yeah, it's weird that that didn't that didn't work. But I don't. I don't think the Annihilator thing felt sincere enough to pull it off. 
Or am I wrong? Like, yeah. why didn't that work? Why didn't that type of because that's super villain level revenge, right? That's top tier villain yeah. revenge. Why didn't it, why didn't it work? It was super cool. Like the visuals for it were super, were super cool, too. I think for the most part, it's just because everything else around it was so convoluted. And they showed us like a shot of the Cree planet. They had the title card down there. But it kind of presupposes that all of us are like really up on the lore for this specific storyline. We really have not seen very much of this part of the cosmic universe, like the Captain Marvel specific part of the universe. We have not And most of the scroll stuff that we've seen has been very bad. So we probably could have used a refresher there and a little bit more clarity. And I think it's pretty tough, too, because the Kree have been depicted as kind of like high elves insofar as they they are very stiff with the way that they talk. And that presents a barrier. I think a lot of the reason that Guardians of the Galaxy works is because most of the aliens talk pretty casually. You know, it's pretty informal for most of them. So it makes it a lot easier to get a lore dump when someone's just telling it to you plain. Yeah. I feel like maybe a Captain Marvel 2 ahead of this could have could have worked. You know, all the stuff they gloss out with her returning to the planet and being the Annihilator. Yeah, oh, man, I wish I'd like seen that and like really felt that some more. Um, but that's nuts because I thought the first Captain Marvel should have been two movies because I think we should have basically gotten Top Gun with Carol Danvers for a movie. And then, you know, that ends with a thing where she is revealed that she's like in space. And then the second movie opens up. And we get a lot of cool shit where she's on this like SEAL Team 6 with aliens. And then we find out that they basically brainwashed her and she has to kind of reclaim who she is using things that we know about her that we saw in the first movie. I would be interested in a movie where Maverick remembers that he's Maverick. But if the movie started with Maverick not knowing who he is and we've never seen Maverick before either, that's a tough sell for anybody. That is tough. It's tough. I don't know. Yeah. it's weird. I, you want to see time change in between movies and it's kind of cool to see where the characters are now, but what do you think about them just setting out to make a specific type of movie and then throwing in a superhero in it? You know, like, isn't that a better formula of like winter soldier seems like it could work without captain America, right? That could just be a movie. And we would watch it and then Captain America happens to be in it and it's even better. I feel like that wouldn't be a bad idea if they made a if they made this movie in a way that like it could have been done without any of these characters and then add them in. Maybe. I don't know. Is that a good philosophy? Formula. That's exactly how every Die Hard movie has been made is that (laughs) they make these movies. It's they adapt books. Uh, It's usually scripts that were adaptations of popular books. And then at some point. Uh, whoever it is that makes those, I forget the company gets the rights to it. And they're like, yeah, we're going to throw John McClane in this one. And he's going to have a line where he's like, how many times is this going to happen to the same guy? <laughs> That's what I want. That's really what I want from Marvel though, is just yeah. the superheroes should be like a, like a filter that they put on at the end. <laughs> mm-hmm. Just drop much MCU stuff. I don't know, Kevin, I feel like this was a pretty good movie though. I enjoyed it. Yeah. I encourage people to watch it. Yeah. A hundred percent. I think this movie's not getting enough love. I think this is probably going to be a situation where we get some looky loos who wanted to listen to the pod because they were like, I'm not going to watch this one. And I would encourage you to give it a shot. It's not perfect. Like I said, there's a lot of shit in this that does not work, but it is so much fun, man. There's fun bits in it for sure. There's things, there's a lot of things to like about it. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. 
Well, hey, what did you think? Did you see it? Let us know. Nerdy430.com. Send us an email and come back here next week where we will be talking about, I believe, the Scott Pilgrim TV show. Is that right? Is it time? Incredible. It's finally here. (laughs) Uh, Brie Larson Double Dose. We will see you then. Until then, stay nerdy, everybody. She's in Scott Pilgrim. Bye. Yeah, she's in the Adams. (laughs) What? Yeah, man. This will be great.